Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law and Order Marathon winner is Mallory Blum of Commerce Township, Michigan. Mallory will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Melanie Joy. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are The Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 20, Episode 15, Brothel. Look, I know that this all sounds bad, but it's all circumstantial. So what now? If we're going to go after a sitting judge... We can't afford to miss. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Well, who else am I going to get? That's always me. It's always <laughs> you. But we also have this week our special guest from the Ewing Barbecue podcast, Melanie Joy. Hello, Melanie. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. So the Ewing Barbecue, it's a podcast. By the way, it's spelled with a proper C, okay. not a Q like the heathens do it. Um, <laughs> it's about the TV show Dallas. It is. Which went off the air in 1991. Is there still interest in the show? There is. There's actually a renewed interest with the pandemic because you can watch it through Amazon Prime, through the IMDb. And um, we've gained a lot of new followers in the last year. Nice. Still not like, I think we've had, we've hit 10,000 downloads. I mean, still got a long ways to go, but huh. it's it's just something to do among friends, a common interest, you know. Did you wake up and it was all a dream? Is that what you realized? <laughs> yeah. Gosh, we're only in like, see, just started season four. So we got a long ways to go. <laughs> so you, you've passed the uh, Who Shot JR episode. Rebecca, do you remember Who Shot JR? Uh, it was, uh, wasn't it What's-Her-Face? Yeah, of course it was What's-Her-Face, but... <laughs> yes, it was What's-Her-Face. Mary yes. Sue or whatever her face was? No, it was JR's, well, I'll let Melanie say. It was, uh, spoiler alert, there was, it was, um, JR's It happened four decades ago. If you haven't been spoiled, <laughs> come I mean, on. That's why the all the dream thing. I was yeah. like, a huge spoiler, yeah. but it's okay. It was, it was JR's sister-in-law, uh, Kristen mm. Shepard. Yeah, and one-time mistress. Mm. Yes. Ew. Which was part of the reason why he got shot. Melanie, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. Oh, Benson and Stabler, hands down. SVU. No need to say anything more. Mm. That's a big pick. <laughs> Classic pick. And so I am going to talk a little bit about how this current season of SVU and 
organized crime ended because it brings that kind of back into play. But I'm kind of excited that at least there is a relationship of some kind with that classic character and the other classic character. Yeah, I was happy to see that they didn't just do the crossover for episode one and then leave it. Like, she's been in every episode, and he's been... Just about? Yeah, and it's so... Like, the idea that they would just pretend... I don't know if they're going to do that forever, but I kind of wish that they would, because I've never seen that on TV before when a spinoff continues to have like a, a constant relationship with the original material like sometimes you'd see like uh occasionally mr jefferson go back to the bunkers or whatever like once a you know eon or whatever but you don't usually see it like every episode and melanie who's your favorite prosecutorial team favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team oh my gosh um You've had time to think about this. I'm, not, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm gonna say. It's like, since, since I like gave my answers, oh my gosh! One thing I found when presented with new information and rewatches, sometimes you're like, oh wow, okay. Mm. Um, I I'm tied. I really liked Barba, Novak, and Cabot. Like all three, I really. They're, but there's just there's something about Casey Novak. She's just so damn like sarcastic, and I I'm here for that. I love her. Barba, same thing. They all just had a different style. Carisi. He's growing on me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wish he was still a detective, but I was just like, no, actually, he's really good. I actually had a feeling watching this episode because I've gotten kind of used to him being the prosecutor now. Mm-hmm. I was like kind of disappointed to see him being a cop again in this episode because I, I really do feel like he's he's where he needs to be. He's yeah. gone into that role like it could have been a mess. And like they, he's done. A, they've done a really good job, like putting him in that role, I think. Because it's no fun to be a cop while you're wearing a vest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the first half of this episode. SVU Season 20, Episode 15, Brothel. Well, good on you, Mr. Wall Street guy. Given the password to get into the pop-up brothel, passing the junk test like a pro, and picking the feistiest girl from a row of spiteful women. (laughs) When screams come from the bedroom, the madam thinks Tori is getting roughed up by her John. Instead, it's Tori who grabs the bodyguard's gun and makes her escape by running... Up the stairs? (laughs) After a Mexican standoff on the roof with the bouncer, Tori is found the next day fallen in the alley below. So it looks like our Jane Doe was a sex worker. She may have jumped or fallen to her death. Or got pushed. Wouldn't be the first hooker got thrown off a roof. Either way, uh, we might be looking at a sexual assault, maybe even murder. SVU learns that Tori had been tricking at the now-deserted brothel. They talked to Judge Edward Koufax from Drug Court, who sent Tori to a diversion treatment program. Her caseworker said that she's gone off the grid. They traced the handcrafted shoe that they found at the brothel to Colum, the rich John whose alibi for the murder is... I was tied to the bed. (laughs) Finn turns to his old narcotics partner. No, not the one that took the bullet for him all those seasons ago. The one he was getting in with. Mm -hmm. Phoebe Baker is now in Vice and discovers the next location of the traveling house of ill repute. They get Judge Koufax to sign a search warrant, but by the time they raid the building, the sex traffickers are gone. And when they learn the gun found with Tori's body had been swiped from the evidence locker at Phoebe's precinct, the detectives think there's a mole in vice. They surveil all the cops who had access to that gun, and they see Detective Ramirez escort some escorts into a new building. Before the squad can move in, all the Johns and working girls flee the building. Again, someone tipped them off, and a suspicious Finn wants to know where Phoebe was when it all went down. (gasps) 
Well, apparently it takes more than a uh, password to get into this brothel. You have to whip it out and let the madam fondle you to prove you're not a cop. They explained our screening process, right? It's just for your first time. Okay. You're not a cop. Welcome to the dollhouse, Colin. And some would say that's the whole point of going in the first place. But didn't we learn from Cassidy that, like... You do shit when you're undercover. Like, it's like that doesn't mean that you're not a cop just because you're doing stuff. Like, that is what undercover cops in brothels do, right? No, yeah. You learn that in a whole episode? Yeah, I think the actor has to say to the other actress, I apologize if I get an erection. <laughs> and I apologize if I don't. <laughs> yeah, I know actually there's part of this that you know, there's some truth to it because I had uh, some friends who were on a street crime unit in the city uh, near us, and they would do, you know, operations where they would arrest, you know, prostitutes, and the prostitutes would always have them roll down the window and say, let me see it. So the cops had a plastic device oh, a dick? Up that they would take out from their pants and show them that. They called it Ernie. Oh, my, oh God. my God. It had a name. But I say, well, don't they know that it doesn't it look like it's plastic? And they say, oh, they're so high. They but can't what's talk. the rule? Like, why? I don't know. I mean, like, I, guess, I, why can't they I guess maybe they would get on the stand and the defense attorney would say, Officer Smith, did you actually take your penis out? <laughs> yes, I was undercover. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently uh, people other than cops have penises. That's good to know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so even though this brothel is probably covered in DNA. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. <laughs> the only clue they have is a single shoe. <laughs> Bespoke. Now, hold on. Let me see that for a second. This is not just a random shoe. It's a $2,500 Pareto. I- I've dreamed of owning a pair of these for years. They're custom made. Meaning the store might have a record if it bought them. Now, this is the latest <laughs> in a series of scenes where a civil servant police officer can identify a pair of expensive shoes in the only store in Manhattan where you can get that at. Unbelievable. It happened in Criminal Intent. Did you send any tan shoes? $2,000 a pair of John Lobb tan shoes. It happened on the Mothership. Yeah, those are Dada Vipers. They're limited edition sneakers. The only place you can get them here is on Amsterdam in the 70s. Now I know where all your overtime goes. And I want to know, is this something that they study at the Academy? <laughs> All I know is I feel like it's happened even more than the clips you just dropped or like the whole thing where there's a specific thing that somebody's like, I've always wanted one of those and I only know the one place you can get it. I do like to imagine, though, Carisi is standing outside the store in his vest with his hands in his little vest pockets. Yes. Dreaming about buying those special <laughs> custom $5, shoes. $5,000 shoes. To match his suspenders. Were you wondering when he said that's a $2,500 shoe, is it the one shoe or is it the pair of shoes? Yeah, it's the one shoe. Because I, I would imagine, I mean, $2,500 is a lot for a pair of shoes. Yeah. And also, how did that guy get home with just the one shoe? Real question. Uh, he limped. It reminds me of when you see that random shoe on the side of the road and you're like, I want to know more about this. Like, yeah. what is their life like? Pop-up brothel. <laughs> Quick getaway. Pop-up brothel. Yeah. So the shoemaker says... They pay thousands because they expect privacy. Hey, my customers spend all this money for privacy. <laughs> did they Right. Now? Because they don't want anyone to notice they're wearing $10,000 shoes. That's what rich people do. They're modest like that. Uh, my favorite was when Finn was like the person that bought that shoe may have killed a woman i don't know anything about cobbler client confidentiality sweet wisdom from finn yes (laughs) he's got some of the best one-liners i swear (laughs) they want their privacy bruno molly just rolled over in his grave and said fuck you and your privacy 
So we have a couple of Hey, It's That Girls. Hey, it's that girl. Who is playing Sergeant Phoebe Baker? Yeah, it's like playing whack-a-mole these days. The internet moved traditional street trade indoors, so now we just target the more obvious fronts. Jennifer Esposito. Jennifer Esposito, seven Law & Order appearances, including four, at least four, as uh, Phoebe. She had roles in Spin City, mm-hmm. Blue Bloods, mm-hmm. NCIS, and it, she was in the critically acclaimed movie Crash. You mean the Oscar-winning movie? The Oscar-winning Crash. movie Crash yes. that everyone believes should not have won an Oscar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Jennifer Esposito's fault. No, it's not. Uh, for eleven months, she went by the name Mrs. Bradley Cooper. Really? Yeah, and then oh, the judge right. said she didn't have to do that anymore. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, she's definitely like she's better than Bradley Cooper. I think she's much more. Be- she's like, much better paired with Finn. I think, I think. in her character. <laughs> that seems about right. <laughs> step up, big step up. I've decided I am dubbing uh, Phoebe Sergeant Badass. Hmm. Why not? I mean, she is she's a good character, and I'm glad that they eventually bring her back. Yes. But uh, Jennifer once commented that her family is insufficiently Italian. Hmm. Uh, she said, quote, we don't yell or throw pasta at each other. My mother doesn't even have a secret spaghetti sauce recipe. <laughs> Those are the only things you need to be Italian, by the way. Apparently so. <laughs> And apparently, you can only like say those things if you are in fact Italian. Otherwise, you know, it's uh, it's 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 stereotyping. Then I, I probably shouldn't have said it out loud. <laughs> and if you're hearing this, listener, it's just because I I'm forgot Italian to edit it and out. I forgive okay, you, Rebecca gave me a, <laughs> gave me a pass. How about the actress playing Anne, who was the uh, sex trafficked woman that we uh, we see uh, later on in this episode? I was on the streets after I got busted. I tried to get clean. You know, I went to NA. And this this woman approached me and said that she was a cop you know, in recovery. Okay, that's uh, Rebecca Forsyth. She is the daughter of William Forsyth, the recognizable character actor who's always playing bad guys. Uh, but Rebecca, you'll remember her from her role in the horror film Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks. No, I won't. No, because it's too scary. I'm for too scared it. to watch any scary movies. Oh my goodness. Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks. Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks, three very scary things uh, for different reasons. Yeah. We do have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Who is playing Mr. Pareto, the maker of handcrafted bespoke shoes? <laughs> no idea. I've been making bespoke footwear for half a century. The key? Hand sculpting. It wouldn't last for each and every customer's foot. That is uh, Robert Lapone. His sister also dabbles in acting, I is believe. Is Patty Lapone's brother? He is. Patty! Oh, my God. Patty Lapone. Yeah, has a brother, actually has two. Let's see, Robert Lapone was in the movie Jesus Christ Superstar, is one of those dirty hippie apostles. <laughs> uh, uh, music holds up the visuals don't, I think, in that movie. He uh, had a recurring role on the soap opera, a lot of soap operas, but he was on Search for Tomorrow, in which he played Tom Bergen. Number five. Oh. Number five. Yeah. You know, they, obviously they yeah. keep rolling new people Poor into Poor Tom. <laughs> so he performed with the Lapone Trio uh, with Patty and his twin brother, William. And William left to become a librarian just so he could get some fucking peace and quiet. <laughs> 
Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Patty. Do you remember Kevin growing up with all those Evita commercials on yes. TV? It was probably the first like Broadway show that I remember having like a lot of television commercials for it. Yes. And it was always like Patty Lapone standing on the balcony and everybody's like, Evita. Right. Yes. Right. I was like, that was how I always knew oh. her. I mean, obviously she's famous for lots of stuff, but that was definitely like If you I lived knew in the her. Northeast and you had cable TV, you got WPIX <laughs> and every Sunday morning there were fifteen commercials yes. for Evita. <laughs> and you look at it and you say, Wow, that guy looks like he should be on Criminal Minds <laughs> and uh that woman, she should be on Life Goes On. <laughs> It was funny when I first saw Life Goes On. I was like, I think that's the woman from the Evita commercial. <laughs> oh, don't cry for her. Oh, Can you tell yeah. me the actor who's playing Carlos Ramirez, the bad cop? I think I'm going to make a Joe's run. You want anything? He looks like he's from um, Central Casting Bad Cop School. <laughs> he may be. I have to agree, yeah. Uh, his name is Adrian Alvarado. He was Detective Cruz Rodriguez, Lucky Spencer's partner on General Hospital. And I'm terribly disappointed that Rebecca didn't know that I, because usually she beats me up if I forget. Yeah, I got to tell you, like, Lucky as a cop was a very, like, minimal era. <laughs> it was a betrayal of the character. So Lucky's partner is even smaller. I'm just on saying, the, right. maybe Lucky as a cop was not a storyline I was super into. Just going to say. <laughs> it's like the casting equivalent of a Russian nesting doll. Just, okay. <laughs> the oh cop's partner on a soap opera always dies anyway because they need, they need a reason to grieve and, oh, right, and have right, those right. hammy Emmys. Right, exactly. <laughs> Can you tell me the actor playing the head of the SWAT team? On me, fast and light. No, okay. Well, I'll tell you, that's David Adams for Law & Order appearances. He's a real-life New York City cop. Oh. He uh, retired after 20 years, and he pursued his dream of being an actor, hmm. where he continues to be cast as a cop. <laughs> uh, he does hold the world record for being told by Benson to, quote, hold your fire and stand down. Hmm. I would really like to know how many of the doormen on this show are actually previous doormen who are living out their dream of being an actor and only get cast as doormen. Well, just like police, right. they do have doorman technical advisors. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you're standing the right way. <laughs> so Finn and Carisi ask Phoebe for her help, and she says... Well, it's called the oldest profession for a reason. They went online. Now you just got to know where to look, and lucky for you two, I do. Like, if it's so hard, how do the Johns find the place? <laughs> Word of mouth, Kevin. Clandestine meetings. <laughs> Are they only catering to hackers and QAnon followers or what? I, oh, God, that's a scary thought. It is a good question because the John we see in this episode shows up at the brothel in his camel coat and his yeah, right. bow shoes. <laughs> <laughs> totally didn't want to be recognized. No. He doesn't. He seems very uncomfortable with the conversation at the brothel. He seems very uncomfortable with the conversation after the brothel. He says it's mm -hmm. his first time going to the brothel. So how he got there is actually a very, very good question. Who did he ask? Who came and handed in this little paper? This little paper that said it. Like who would have said that guy wants to go to a brothel? Like I wouldn't have picked him out. How do they know it was the right brothel? Because. <laughs> Ooh, blown it up. That's Tori. We could have changed the ad. You think the Dollhouse digital director was like, oh no, we got to take Tori off the website now. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's good. People are going to come asking for that one. When say, Sorry, she's not here anymore. Oops. I mean, these guys are so savvy to cover their tracks. Except they use the actual women they're trafficking <laughs> in their computer app. Oh. They create a collage, Photoshop, matching three 
light which is photo how, shoot. Is, which is what we know is like not how it goes. I mean, no. even stock <laughs> photography of porn stars exactly. getting there because you know they don't look at anything like that. <laughs> it's like the sign outside of a strip club. Imagine if it had the actual strippers it's, on it. You know, keep driving oh my by. Gosh. Yeah. yeah, it's not a place you'd ever want to go. No, no. <laughs> Especially here in New England. You're from Maine, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I, what's that? One, the one strip club in Portland, I I went to high school with some of the girls who've worked there on and off, and it was just like, uh. She put her hand on her face. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I remember I went there for, um, what was it, like a, a ladies' night once, and they had, you know, males come in, male dancers, and but there were yeah, also... Yeah, once fe- you went in. Okay, keep going. I yeah. did. Just one time. I had never time. been in. And, and you're bespoke shoes, but keep going. That's fine. <laughs> but no, like, there were some females walking around in there, and I thought I recognized one of them from school, and I went... <laughs> like she did not look like she used to. Uh-huh. My blood but. runs cold. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, that handgun that they found with Tori was associated with another arrest. And then when they go to the evidence locker to check, they find that the gun has been replaced with a brick. Does a gun weigh as much as a brick? I found myself wondering that. I also found myself wondering, like, why replace it? Why not just have the box be? I don't know. I mean, is someone going to pick up the box and shake it and not open it? Yeah. It was very, it was very hamfisted. The evidence yeah. guy picked up the box and he's like, "Here it is." Like, is that because <laughs> the brick was in there that he felt the weight? Yeah, he felt the weight. There's something in here. It's got to be the gun. Hmm. And why put the brick in a clear plastic bag <laughs> if you're going through the trouble? <laughs> I got to wonder, did he replace it like Indiana Jones style, like when he's trading the idol for the weighted bag of sand? He does like the thing like that. It's like, just take the gun of the brick. Oh, got it. Let's get out of this, out of this temple. Actually, a weighted bag of sand would have been better. Yeah, it probably would have been. Yeah. When uh, everyone in the brothel runs away before the detectives can bust in, they go in and they find Anne, uh, who had been left behind, passed out on a bed. Guys. Hey. Is your wife? Yeah. Barely. She's too high to run. Hadn't they all just walked in? <laughs> How quickly can you show up for work and then overdose? Right? Uh, Kevin, I have one answer for that question. Yeah. Tough commute. Tough commute? <laughs> Man, sometimes you got to get started early, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. So these brothels <laughs> pop up at some random apartment and then they bug out like a mash unit like when it's time. I just thought New York real estate was like really tight. Mm. Who's calling around saying, can I rent your apartment for three days? Uh, Airbnb. 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 (laughs) Wow. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Well, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Finn wants to know if Phoebe is the mole tipping off the sex traffickers. One of the girls was left behind, a blonde in her 20s on the nod. I don't know anything about any girls. That's good. Because when she comes to, we're going to show you a picture. You do that. You do that. And then go screw yourself. Again. And the addicted sex worker who was found passed out in the brothel says Detective Ramirez runs the dollhouse and she was recruited 
by a female cop, but they find out later it's not Phoebe. She and Carisi blab in front of Ramirez about the witness naming names, and he takes the troubling news to his handler, who happens to be Judge Koufax. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. The detectives convince his lover, Judge Barth, to record him intervening on a sentencing of one of his girls. Under interrogation from Finn and Carisi, Koufax says he never made any money off of the women. He just gave them what they wanted, a clean needle. <laughs> Seems he was motivated by the overdose death of his own daughter, and what a well-reasoned plan that was. <laughs> uh, Benson visits Anne at a 12-step meeting and tells her that she can be anything she wants to be, to which America says, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, meanwhile, over drinks, Finn asks Phoebe whether they want to resume their relationship from the Clinton administration, and she says <laughs> that she's actually seeing someone, but... In the Dick Wolf universe, you just never know. Hmm. Okay, so Benson says, if you're going to take a shot at a judge, you don't miss. So the rock-solid evidence that they have that this judge, who publicly advocates on behalf of the defendants that he sees, is actually the mastermind behind a prostitution ring, is that a recording of him asking another judge to take it easy on her. <laughs> she can still be saved. You've given her a chance. ROR, drug treatment court, it's not working. I am asking you for one last chance. You know I can't do that. You know, it's not going to do this girl any good to be behind bars. I wouldn't ask you this, Alana, if I didn't believe this was the right thing to do. <laughs> That's rock solid. Didn't they also see him meeting with the cop that they knew was the dirty cop, though? Yes. yes. That, that was good evidence. It's still circumstantial. He drove up in his Volvo. Yeah, I mean, yelling at him and whatever, and he's wearing a <laughs> stupid hat because he's a judge. You know, all right, whatever. <laughs> and his judge, like Harry Potter glasses, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Judge Barth, uh, who is, you know, our f recurring judge, female judge, uh, she's yes. all indignant. She, it's okay that she's having an affair with him, but... You're also going to be a pimp. Oh, objection! I know. Like when they were when they were talking to him in the in the interrogation room, and they were like, you know, we're going to tell your wife too. And I was like, oh god, he was he was married too. That's just another. That's <gasps> rough. Those judges must not get out much. She, she's way out of his league. I'm just saying, like, they must not have a lot of time to look for partners elsewhere that, like, right. she's getting under his robes. Well, hey, there's a thing about partners, though. It's this, this recurring theme. Mm -hmm. I do like that uh, old SVU episode where uh, Casey was going to a judge's house to get him to sign a warrant. And he walks in and it's four of the recurring judges. They're all playing poker. It's the best. I just need your honor signature. You just hit the jackpot, dearie. I believe you all know ADA Nova. Judge Ridenour, Judge Petrovsky, Judge Weiler, Judge Bradley. I've had this nightmare before, only I was naked. It's the best. It is. It's the best. Oh, that was amazing. Especially Judge Donnelly. Oh, my God. I love Judith Light. <laughs> Me too. She's the best. So we learned that the judge's motivation for diverting drug court attendance into sexual indentured servitude is not money. It's so they can get the good, clean heroin his daughter couldn't get. <laughs> Make sense to anybody? It's very charitable. It's charitable. <laughs> if I had given Delia that chance, maybe. Delia. She was 16 when she overdosed. Did not have to end that way. Her body in the ground, cold, alone. 
<laughs> I mean, where does he get the clean drugs? I mean, I know it's drug court, but it's sort of like keeping them off drugs. Why not come up with some scam that involves rehab? Why does it have to involve uh, right, like getting a kickback, sex trafficking? <laughs> I think we had that at some point, right? So they'd send him someplace and he'd get a kickback from, I mean, that makes, you know, a little more sense. Yeah, and it, just, it seems like to fit the motive a little bit better than <laughs> clean hair. Oh, congratulations. Here's some clean heroin. Clean heroin. Ah. Oh. Think about it this way. We we do see him earlier in drug court, and he tells a man that his punishment is he has to write letters to his son. I miss my little boy. Following any infraction, I'm required to issue a sanction. In your case, I'm going to order letter writing, three per week to your son. And then he orders a woman to take it in the rear, literally, to get drugs. Yeah. Uh, I would just say... That's not what we call equal application of justice. Correct. So thanks, patriarchy. <laughs> Fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> what did say to the man? Okay, you're working in the mail brothel? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So did you notice that we had once again Olivia Benson telling a witness to give up the goods on the higher-ups in this whole sex trafficking thing uh-huh. by saying, quote, We can help you, and we can protect you. Does this show ever protect anybody? No, <laughs> no. And the the people at the Witness Protection Department, are like when they get a call from SVU, they're like, who's uh-huh. my number? Uh-huh. Do you know how much money you cost me just by telling people, you we're going to give you a whole new life? You can't. You know? You saw someone get a hand job. Okay, we're moving you to Utah. Just, <laughs> you're just busting my budget, Benson. We've seen children get murdered on this show that Olivia said she could protect. She cannot protect anyone. That no. is just a no. foregone conclusion. So sad. I gotta say, though, who would not like to choose between going to jail and writing letters? <laughs> I feel bad for the kid. Yeah, to get it, all those it's like letters. death or cake. You know, it's like, okay, I'll... I'll take the cake. (laughs) I'm just glad it was my judge and not my priest who said I had to write a bunch of letters. Bless me, Father, for I've sinned. I had impure thoughts. Well, you're going to write a letter. (laughs) You're going to send it to everybody that you had those impure thoughts about. (laughs) Right on the board a hundred times. I don't know. It's like, can't I just have a couple of Hail Marys and get out of here? (laughs) No, no, no. Put it down in writing. (laughs) You sound like what's his face from SVU. Declan? Yes, you sound like Rollins' baby daddy Declan just now in his fake Irish accent. What's not fake? It's the real deal. It's how, it's how Father Flanagan would talk to me when he said, you have to go write all your sins down. That's what's in the letter. Oh! Yes, oh, the letter from Elliot to Olivia. <laughs> He had impure thoughts. That's Liv. right. We may never find out what's in that fucking letter. Dear Olivia, I'm sorry I never changed the sheets in that flop <laughs> room that we used to sleep in in the squad. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so this episode ends on Finn getting his heart broken when he learns that Phoebe has a boyfriend. So I was thinking, if you're into it, maybe we could try again. Finn, I'm flattered. Um. But I'm seeing someone now. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's um, I don't know if he's the one or anything, but it's just... Now, here we are two years later. We find out mm-hmm. that Finn and Phoebe were in each other's quarantine bubbles. Yes. And they planned on getting married, and in the season 22 finale last month, uh, it ended with them turning their wedding reception into a we're actually just going to live together party. Commitment. A commitment party. Yes. Uh, Carisi reads the vows he was going to give, and it's all about the bonds of partnership, and he reads it to Rollins, who starts to cry and then stands on her tiptoes to kiss him. Finally. And Elliot Stabler shows up 
at this ship show uh, just in time to uh, put a coat over Liv's shoulders and then toast to partners. Hmm. Okay, 16 largely okay. ambitious SVU episodes, I would say, for this season. Yes. And a surprisingly good eight episodes of organized crime. Surprisingly good. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, what everybody loves to mm-hmm. argue about, the romantic configurations. Mm-hmm. Melanie, so mm-hmm. we see Finn and Phoebe stay together. It looks like mm-hmm. the Sea or whatever they're going to call it, What that, that ship is going on. It's kind of still up in the air on uh, on uh, Elliot um, and Olivia. I'm here for all of it. Love to see it. <laughs> I think the Rollins-Carisi thing had to happen first because Elliot and Olivia, if they're going to go down that road, they've got a lot of work to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be years. They're going to get together and be old. It's going to be like the, the finale of SVU, like flash forward to them sitting like in a rocking chair to pull up something. <laughs> Because I I just don't think they can do it. I don't think they can pull it off. They got to bring in Mister Noodle, the therapist, <laughs> and they got to work their shit out. So, do you think that um, the Carisi Rollins thing is going to happen, or is she just going to be like, "I'm sorry, I'm pregnant again"? Else <laughs> I wonder about that because remember, um, Olivia and David Hayden had to kind of like hang it up before they disclosed. Mm-hmm. Because Detective and ADA, it's like, are they going to be able to do that? Like, what's yeah. going to happen? It's not a fucking secret. He already yeah. has her picture on his desk. Yes, that's true. I know. It's like they're already a family. It's, yeah. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about was, um, first of all, Carisi has a girlfriend. Yeah, he's got to go break up with her. And they her. just like had a fight, and now he's like letting Rollins kiss him. But in the, esp- the end of the, the episode we're talking about, she, Jennifer Esposito and Finn are having a glass of wine together, seemingly voluntarily. They're there to meet to have a glass mm-hmm. of wine. And the minute he asks her out, she's like, oh, shit, I'm supposed to be somewhere else. What is that? Like, you can say, no, I'm seeing somebody and then still sit there and have your wine. This like, giant glass of wine we just ordered. Why it's got to be a $10 glass of wine. Oh, right? more that, than that, that. That's a little sus, isn't it? That whole exchange. <laughs> yeah. She got flustered. She was like, oh, got to go. Yeah. Listen. Looks like somebody just got put in the friend zone. <laughs> you just accused me two hours ago of being a sex trafficker. You think I want to go out with you? That's like so hot. Right now? <laughs> We see him arguing. You're like, get a room. Get a room. They're cute together. I like it. I like the pairing. Yes. Now, to wrap this up, with no expectation on my part that they would actually do this, the team on organized crime constructed a world that tries to address a lot of the issues we had coming into 2021. The cast is the most diverse of any franchise. Mm-hmm. They try to address the problematic nature of Stabler's character. There's talk about police brutality and racism. Look, nobody wears a fucking mask the right way, but (laughs) they did try in a sustained manner to address this, which is more than any of them had done before. They tried, but then there was a big flaw in the final episode. What's that? The thin blue line, all showing up to support another cop. Basically, oh. like they 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 talk After about. After we see the thin blue line turn their back on on a black uh, cop. Uh, yeah, right. All yeah, these yeah. Wi- all these white cops standing together because of Elliot's wife being all the cops standing together for a white cop whose wife was murdered. To me, that was. Very destructive to the thread that they had been building around their captain and, you know, him being shut out because of his testimony, Garland, and the lawsuit with that other cop's nephew whose hand was literally crushed for no reason Mm -hmm. by those bad cops. The fact that at the end they would go straight to cops show up for each other, we're standing behind you, it made me sick. I think that they completely destroyed everything they were building. I didn't even think about that. Holy crap. (laughs) 
Like I was too. I'm sorry. sorry. I was sorry to ruin it for you. No, no, no. It's fine. I was just too. I was too damn focused on on Wheatley taunting Olivia and Elliot. Like before they pulled him away that I was just like, Oh wow. She's, if she didn't know before, she definitely knows now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I would disagree that it destroyed everything that they built. Damn. It probably wasn't, you know, a great scene. It, it was probably a little hokey, you know, Hey, we're all here for you, Elliot. Well, there like, had to be a reason for Olivia to be there. I mean, the right. whole was, I mean, they could have had a different reason for Olivia to be there. Other than that, it was just like, that was a way for her to be in the scene. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love, and for, and for Wheatley to meet Olivia, which I love, which for, I don't know why he is the one in the world who knows that like Elliot really yeah. deeply loves Olivia and nobody else does. I mean, how in. good is his intelligence? He's I, got some in, I think in the, uh, the cops. I was, that was my question. Maybe he got that letter. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was my question. I was like, when he, you know, the the episode, what was it, last week, where he was basically like, what was her name again? I'm like, how does he know all this shit? Yeah. How yeah. does he know he got the wrong one? Hmm. It was really weird. How does he know where to find uh, vaccines to hijack to then give away to other see. people? I will say I loved his little interaction. I think that Dylan McDermott and, and Marishka had like a lot of chemistry in that tiny little interaction when he was like, you are stunning or whatever disgusting thing he said. I was like, ooh, I like it. Yeah, I do. He's really getting his swag on at I the love end of it. the season. I like yeah, the ham. I, liked, I like the ham and cheese. I am really enjoying I I didn't know if I would enjoy organized crime, but I, I, I am. I I think uh, mm-hmm. I think the stories are good, and I think, look, they're not really giving Stabler a pass on anything, running mm-hmm. from his problematic past and also continuing to deal with what would naturally be a very traumatic experience. It yeah. isn't like, oh, yeah, I'm over oh, yeah. my wife getting blown up in front of my eyes. No. Gives him a lot of stuff to act with. And I think that that's great. I had some crazy thought early on that either um, Angela or Richard, one of them was in like the CAA or something like that. Like they were doing hmm. something dirty, like in the company. But as time's going on nah, maybe he really is just like this organized crime guy but i don't think angela is as innocent as she is letting on i really don't well she knows how to call a hit so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm wondering if like the the stuff that happened in, in puglia was her mastermind ha huh, very interesting they keep trying to bounce that back and forth i do like that they're kind of keeping that who angela suspense is. a lot yeah we don't definitely know that she's on know. you know good side on the good side why is she like trying to take her life yeah you know i like angela why? she's age appropriate to mm. be paired with elliot i like that they took a woman who's just like a few years younger than him it, they they could have very easily cast that with like a 35 year old which would have been so gross yeah and they didn't do that and i i do appreciate that <laughs> well we'll just re- you know flash back at the end of this season that we've been talking about season 20 we had sort of a crisis of confidence in the show we did special episode talking about mm-hmm. wh- where is this going and maybe we should just put it out of its misery after our stone year oh. this, this was great this was, was a, this the stone year this was Ugh. and yep. it was fortunately episode where he did not appear oh my god there's a reason i actually got that just felt like i knew he was gonna leave when i saw this episode yeah. <laughs> he wasn't Look, we dead. said it, address real life police issues get carisi to be the da all that stuff worked and i you know i think that maybe somebody there's listening to this podcast <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. 
Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. Some inspiration for this episode comes from the real-life case of Tim Nolan. In the 1970s, the young prosecutor for Newport, Kentucky, waged a war against vice and obscenity. He was elected judge in 1978 and received numerous complaints from attorneys for his harsh sentencing. After retiring from the law in 1999, Nolan dabbled in Tea Party politics. He became a landlord, opened a bar named The Rabbit Hole, and in 2016 won a seat on the county school board. That's when a 16-year-old student reported she had been assaulted by Nolan. She claimed the 70-year-old man, who was also her landlord, paid her $40 for a back rub, then forced her to perform a sex act. Other victims came forward with accusations the former judge paid them for sex in a trailer next to the bar. He threatened tenants with eviction if they didn't sleep with him. One woman said Nolan bought her heroin, watched her shoot up, then made her have sex. Investigators identified 14 women and 8 juveniles as victims, and Nolan was charged with rape, human trafficking, and witness tampering. Tim Nolan is currently serving a 20-year sentence at the Lee Adjustment Center in Lee County, Kentucky. Okay, Nolan retired from the bench in 1999 because of a brain tumor. He received treatment, and he obviously survived, but now he's blaming his sexual assaults on the tumor. Oh my God, that's like Franco on General Hospital. You know, it's like that is a general that is a that is a general hospital slash soap opera trope. I did everything I did because I had a brain tumor. Literally, it's literally a storyline from General. Well, hospital. He's a big fan of uh, Lucky Spencer. <laughs> wasn't that an F- SVU episode too? What's that? The brain Way tumor. Back- yeah, wasn't it? A, wasn't it a teacher? I think that's right. A female teacher. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's right. Holy crap! <laughs> life imitating art, imitating life. I love it. Uh, uh, he also blames a generational misunderstanding. He's, I mean, Harvey Weinstein said this. Uh, he's saying that the rules around forcing women to have sex for drugs or housing is different now (laughs) than it was when he was convicting people of it in the 1970s. So getting caught doing it is different now than getting caught doing it was. Yeah, now you get in trouble for it. I gotta tell you, uh, it's a huge surprise to me to hear that a sanctimonious white judge who gave harsh sentences, probably more to people of color than to white people, and dabbled in Tea Party politics turned out to be a hypocrite. I am hugely surprised. That surprised you? (laughs) Would you be surprised to learn that he declared himself the Cook County chairman for the Trump campaign? Oh, and even the Trump campaign said, no, that's not actually a thing. (laughs) What? They didn't claim him? They didn't claim him. No, they said we don't have any. Okay, whatever. Uh, Would it surprise you? Because it does not surprise me that a photo surfaced of him in a Klan robe. (laughs) 
my God. This just keeps getting better and better. Oh, yeah. He said, no, that's not me under the hood. Mm. Uh, the picture appeared on his bar's website saying, come to the rabbit hole and join the clan. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it just... <laughs> Not oh for nothing, but uh, Rabbit Hole would have been a way better name for the brothel than the dollhouse. Oh, sure. Just saying. <laughs> the Rabbit Hole. By the way, he spelled clan with a C, so obviously he didn't really mean it. It was an Irish bar. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Uh, Nolan's lawyer said it was someone else who came to the bar... For a Halloween party. Dressed as a clan person? Yeah. What the fuck? What date was this? Kentucky. Kentucky. <laughs> All right. Uh, the lawyer says, well, everybody knows it's a big joke because this unidentified guy, and of course, unidentified, right? He dresses up like a clansman every year. Oh, my God. And he has two black grandchildren that he loves to death. Yes. Yes. There's Why? nothing that says I'm not a racist then. I know a black person. Right. <laughs> Nothing says I'm not a racist like my kid is not a racist. <laughs> uh, yeah, just like Manfredi Sinatra. <laughs> oh my God. No one filed a lawsuit against the. By the way, this all happened before he was elected to the school board. Holy shit. Uh, what? Yeah. It wasn't disqualifying for the voters of the county. Well, I mean, Kentucky, Mitch McConnell. Right. Yeah. But also only like eight people show up for school board elections. So it's probably like, you know, everybody who goes to this bar and dresses up like a Klansman. <laughs> Jeez. Want to get that Klan vote? Uh, all right. Nolan filed a lawsuit against that website that reposted the photo saying that he was defamed. The lawsuit says that Nolan had been forced to have, quote, uncomfortable discussions. <laughs> With people who did not know him well enough mm. to know he wasn't a racist. Mm. Something tells me people knew exactly who he was. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with that white robe and hood he was wearing, right? No, no, it wasn't him, but he felt it, yes. That's going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Melanie Joy. Melanie, where can our listeners follow you online? Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm at that underscore other underscore MJ. My Instagram is the same, that underscore other underscore MJ. And um, my official podcast one is BBQ Ewing and it's Ewing BBQ on Instagram. And Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, Twitter and Instagram, especially if you want to see lots of pictures of dogs, at Reb Lavoy. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com to sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.